Chapter Six of Marianne Early. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Marianne Early by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Annerley Farm, on the eastern coast of the same great county, at more than ninety miles of distance for a homing pigeon and some hundred and twenty for a carriage from the hall of yordas there was in those days and there still may be found a property of no vast size snug however and of good repute and called universally annerley farm how long it has borne that name it knows not neither cares to moot the question and there lives no antiquary of enough antiquity to decide it a place of smiling hope and comfort and content with quietude no memory of man about it runneth to the contrary while every ox and horse and sheep and fowl and frisky porker is full of warm domestic feeling and each homely virtue for this land like a happy country has escaped for years and years the affliction of much history it has not felt the desolating tramp of lawyer or land agent nor been bombarded by fine and recovery lease and release bargain and sale doe and roe and godfrey styles and the rest of the pitiless shower of slugs ending with a charge of demons blows and blights and plagues of that sort have not come to annerley nor any other drain of nurture to exhaust the green of meadow and the gold of harvest here stands the homestead and here lies the meadowland there walk the kine having no call to run and yonder the wheat in the hollow of the hill bowing to the silvery stroke of the wind is touched with the promise of increasing gold as good as the cattle and the crops themselves are the people that live upon them or at least in a fair degree they try to be so though not of course so harmless or faithful or peaceful or charitable but still in proportion they may be called as good and in fact they believe themselves much better and this from no conceit of any sort beyond what is indispensable for nature not only enables but compels a man to look down upon his betters from generation to generation man and beast and house and land have gone on in succession here replacing following renewing repairing and being repaired demanding and getting more support with such judicious give and take and thoroughly good understanding that now in the august of this year when scargate hall is full of care and afraid to cart a load of dung annerley farm is quite at ease and in the very best of heart man and horse and land and crops and the cock that crows the time of day nevertheless no acre in yorkshire or in the whole wide world has ever been so farmed or fenced as to exclude the step of change from father to son the good lands had passed without even a will to disturb them except at distant intervals and the present owner was stephen annerley a thrifty and well-to-do yorkshire farmer of the olden type master annerley was turned quite lately of his fifty-second year 
and hopeful if so please the lord to turn a good many more years yet as a strong horse works his furrow for he was strong and of a cheerful face ruddy square and steadfast built up also with firm body to a wholesome stature and able to show the best man on the farm the way to swing a pitchfork yet might he be seen upon every lord's day as clean as a new shelled chestnut neither at any time of the week was he dirtier than need be happy alike in the place of his birth his lot in life and the wisdom of the powers appointed over him he looked up with a substantial faith yet a solid reserve of judgment to the church the justices of the peace spiritual lords and temporal and above all his majesty george the third without any reserve of judgment which could not deal with such low subjects he looked down upon every dissenter every pork dealer and every frenchman what he was brought up to that he would abide by and the sin beyond repentance to his mind was the sin of the turncoat with all these hard-set lines of thought or of doctrine the scabbard of thought which saves its edge and keeps it out of mischief stephen annerley was not hard or stern or narrow-hearted kind and gentle and good to every one who knew how to behave himself and dealing to every man full justice meted by his own measure he was liable even to generous acts after being severe and having his own way but if anybody ever got the better of him by lies and not fair bettering that man had wiser not begin to laugh inside the writing stephen annerly was slow but sure not so very keen perhaps but grained with kerns of maximed thought to meet his uses as they came and to make a rogue uneasy to move him from such thoughts was hard but to move him from a spoken word had never been found possible the wife of this solid man was solid and well fitted to him in early days by her own account she had possessed considerable elegance and was not devoid of it even now whenever she received a visitor capable of understanding it but for home use that gift had been cut short almost in the honeymoon by a total want of appreciation on the part of her husband and now after five-and-twenty years of studying and entering into him she had fairly earned his firm belief that she was the wisest of women for she always agreed with him when he wished it and she knew exactly when to contradict him and that was before he had said a thing at all and while he was rolling it slowly in his mind with a strong tendency against it in outdoor matters she never meddled without being specially consulted by the master but indoors she governed with watchful eyes a firm hand and a quiet tongue this good woman now was five-and-forty years of age vigorous clean and of a very pleasant look with that richness of colour which settles on fair women when the fugitive beauty of blushing is past when the work of the morning was done and the clock in the kitchen was only ten minutes from twelve and the dinner was fit for the dishing then mistress annerly remembered as a rule the necessity of looking to her own appearance she went upstairs with a quarter of an hour to spare but not to squander 
and she came down so neat that the farmer was obliged to be careful in helping the gravy for she always sat next to him as she had done before there came any children and it seemed ever since to be the best place for her to manage their plates and their manners as well alas that the kindest and wisest of women have one if not twenty blind sides to them and if any such weakness is pointed out it is sure to have come from their father mistress annerley's weakness was almost conspicuous to herself she worshipped her eldest son perhaps the least worshipful of the family willie annerley was a fine young fellow two inches taller than his father with delicate features and curly black hair and cheeks as bright as a maiden's he had soft blue eyes and a rich clear voice with a melancholy way of saying things as if he were above all this and yet he looked not like a fool neither was he one altogether when he began to think of things the worst of him was that he always wanted something new to go on with he never could be idle and yet he never worked to the end which crowns the task in the early stage he would labor hard be full of the greatness of his aim and demand everybody's interest exciting also mighty hopes of what was safe to come of it and even after that he sometimes carried on with patience but he had not perseverance once or twice he had been on the very nick of accomplishing something and had driven home his nail but then he let it spring back without clinching oh any fool can do that he cried and never stood to it to do it again or to see that it came not undone in a word he stuck to nothing but swerved about here there and everywhere his father being of so different a cast and knowing how often the wisest of men must do what any fool can do was bitterly vexed at the flighty ways of willie and could do no more than hope with a general contempt that when the boy grew older he might be a wiser fool but willie's dear mother maintained with great consistency that such a perfect wonder could never be expected to do anything not wonderful to this the farmer used to listen with a grim decorous smile then grumbled as soon as he was out of hearing and fell to and did the little jobs himself sore jealousy of willie perhaps and keen sense of injustice as well as high spirit and love of adventure had driven the younger son jack from home and launched him on a seafaring life with a stick and a bundle he had departed from the ancestral fields and lanes one summer morning about three years since when the cows were lowing for the milk pail and a royal cutter was cruising off the head for a twelve-month nothing was heard of him until there came a letter beginning dear and respected parents and ending your affectionate and dutiful son jack the body of the letter was of three lines only occupied entirely with kind inquiries as to the welfare of everybody especially his pup and his old pony and dear sister mary mary annerly the only daughter and the youngest child well deserved the best remembrance of the distant sailor though jack may have gone too far in declaring as he did till he came to his love-time that the world contained no other girl fit to hold a candle to her 
no doubt it would have been hard to find a girl more true and loving more modest and industrious but hundreds and hundreds of better girls might be found perhaps even in yorkshire for this maiden had a strong will of her own which makes against absolute perfection also she was troubled with a strenuous hate of injustice which is sure in this world to find cause for an outbreak and too active a desire to rush after what is right instead of being well content to let it come occasionally and so firm could she be when her mind was set that she would not take parables or long experience or even kindly laughter as a power to move her from the thing she meant her mother knowing better how the world goes on promiscuously and at leisure and how the right point slides away when stronger forces come to bear was very often vexed by the crochets of the girl and called her wayward headstrong and sometimes nothing milder than a saucy miss this however was absurd and mary scarcely deigned to cry about it but went to her father as she always did when any weight lay on her mind nothing was said about any injustice because that might lead to more of it as well as be from a proper point of view most indecorous nevertheless it was felt between them when her pretty hair was shed upon his noble waistcoat that they too were in the right and cared very little who thought otherwise now it was time to leave off this for mary without heed almost of any but her mother had turned into a full-grown damsel comely sweet and graceful she was tall enough never to look short and short enough never to seem too tall even when her best feelings were outraged and nobody looking at her face could wish to do anything but please her so kind was the gaze of her deep blue eyes so pleasant the frankness of her gentle forehead so playful the readiness of rosy lips for a pretty answer or a lovely smile but if any could be found so callous and morose as not to be charmed or nicely cheered by this let him only take a longer look not rudely but simply in a spirit of polite inquiry and then would he see on the delicate rounding of each soft and dimpled cheek a carmine hard to match on palette morning sky or flower-bed lovely people ought to be at home in lovely places and though this cannot be so always as a general rule it is at annerley farm the land was equal to the stock it had to bear whether of trees or corn or cattle hogs or mushrooms or mankind the farm was not so large or rambling as to tire the mind or foot yet wide enough and full of change rich pasture hazel copse green valleys fallows brown and golden breastlands pillowing into nooks of fern clumps of shade for horse or heifer and for rabbit sandy warren furzy cleave for hare and partridge not without a little mirror for willows and for wild ducks and the whole of the land with a general slope of liveliness and rejoicing spread itself well to the sun with a strong inclination toward the morning to catch the cheery import of his voyage across the sea the pleasure of this situation was the more desirable because of all the parts above it being bleak and dreary round the shoulders of the upland 
like the arch of a great armchair ran a barren scraggy ridge whereupon no tree could stand upright no cow be certain of her own tail and scarcely a crow breast the violent air by stooping ragged pinions so furious was the rush of wind when any power awoke the clouds or sometimes when the air was jaded with continual conflict a heavy settlement of brackish cloud lay upon a waste of chalky flint by dint of persevering work there are many changes for the better now more shelter and more root-hold but still it is a battleground of winds which rarely change their habits for this is the chump of the spine of the wolds which hulks up at last into flamborough head flamborough head the furthest forefront of a bare and jagged coast stretches boldly off to eastward a strong and rugged barrier away to the north the land falls back with coving bends and some straight lines of precipice and shingle to which the german ocean sweeps seldom free from sullen swell in the very best of weather but to the southward of the head a different spirit seems to move upon the face of everything for here is spread a peaceful bay and plains of brighter sea more gently furrowed by the wind and cliffs that have no cause to be so steep and bathing places and scarcely freckled sands where towns may lay their drain pipes undisturbed in short to have rounded that headland from the north is as good as to turn the corner of a garden wall in march and pass from a buffeted back and bare shivers to a sunny front of hope all as busy as a bee with pears spurring forward into creamy buds of promise peach trees already in a flush of tasselled pink and the green lobe of the apricot shedding the snowy bloom below this point the gallant skipper of the british collier slouching with a heavy load of grime for london or waddling back in ballast to his native north alike is delighted to discover storms ahead and to cast his tarry anchor into soft grey calm for here shall he find the good shelter of friends like-minded with himself and of hospitable turn having no cause to hurry any more than he has all too wise to command their own ships and here will they all jollify together while the sky holds a cloud or the locker a drop nothing here can shake their ships except a violent east wind against which they wet the other eye lazy boats visit them with comfort and delight while white waves are leaping in the offing they cherish their well-earned rest and eat the lotus or rather the onion and drink ambrosial grog they lean upon the bulwarks and contemplate their shadows the noblest possible employment for mankind and lo and lo if they care to lift their eyes in the south shines the quay of bridlington inland the long ridge of priory stands high and westward in a nook if they level well a clear glass after holding on the slope so many steamy ones they may spy annerley farm and sometimes mary annerley herself for she when the ripple of the tide is fresh and the glance of the summer morn glistening on the sands also if a little rocky basin happens to be fit for shrimping 
and only some sleepy ships at anchor in the distance look at her fearless she because all sailors are generally down at breakfast tucks up her skirt and gaily runs upon the accustomed playground with her pony left to wait for her the pony is old while she is young although she was born before him and now he belies his name lord keppel by starting at every soft glimmer of the sea therefore now he is left to roam at his leisure above high-water mark poking his nose into black dry weed probing the winnow casts of yellow drift for oats and snorting disappointment through a gritty dance of sand-hoppers mary has brought him down the old dane's dyke for society rather than service and to strengthen his nerves with the dew of the salt for the sake of her jack who loved him he may do as he likes as he always does if his conscience allows him to walk home no one will think the less of him having very little conscience at his time of life after so much contact with mankind he considers convenience only to go home would suit him very well but his crib would be empty till his young mistress came moreover there is a little dog that plagues him when his door is open and in spite of old age it is something to be free and in spite of all experience to hope for something good therefore lord keppel is as faithful as the rocks he lifts his long heavy head and gazes wistfully at the anchored ships and mary is sure that the darling pines for his absent master but she with the multitudinous tangle of youth runs away rejoicing the buoyant power and brilliance of the morning are upon her and the air of the bright sea lifts and spreads her like a pillowy skate's egg the polish of the wet sand flickers like veneer of maple wood at every quick touch of her dancing feet her dancing feet are as light as nature and high spirits made them not only quit of spindle heels but even free from shoes and socks left high and dry on the shingle and lighter even than the dancing feet the merry heart is dancing laughing at the shadows of its own delight while the radiance of blue eyes springs like a fount of brighter heaven and the sunny hair falls flows or floats to provoke the wind for playmate such a pretty sight was good to see for innocence and largeness so the buoyancy of nature springs anew in those who have been weary when they see her brisk power inspiring the young who never stand still to think of her but are up and away with her where she will at the breath of her subtle encouragement End of chapter six